The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in, that's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered. Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it. Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five. Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side. It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning. It's Rich, and I'm here with James. It's time to listen to One Nation. The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to... The May 24th edition of One Nation Radio. My name is Rich Latta. One time for all the real ones. Glad y'all locked in with me this week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Um, first, I come to you on video as well as in podcast form. If this is your first time seeing me, welcome. If this is your first time experiencing One Nation Radio, welcome. If you've heard me before, you know what it is. It is fucking on. Um, I represent the Social Suplex Podcast Network. As you can see on my shirt, for those of you guys checking this out in video form, uh, on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash DangerRichTV. Make sure you guys drop a rating and a review for this podcast on your platform of choice. Uh, Remember, we are an independent podcast network, and our our budget comes from word of mouth. And the only way we're going to reach more people is by your likes your shares your ratings and you know just rocking with us um and make sure you check out all the other shows on the social suplex podcast network we got the outsider's edge with rance and carl we got the ricky and clive wrestling show we got keeping it strong style we got grown men watch this shit and the impact report with caleb baldwin and of course one nation radio with your boy rich here um yeah, man. So we've got <laughs> some things to talk about. Lots of big news in wrestling this week. Uh, I wasn't on for One Nation Live, honestly, because <laughs> I had a lot to do. Um, I was finalizing some things um, and, you know, doing a lot of stuff around the house. I did get my new car. So if you follow me on Instagram, you can check that out. Um, so SmackDown has sold, essentially, for a whole lot of money. Um, it's no secret by this point, WWE got a shit ton of money. I'm talking billions of dollars. So that's right. Daniel Bryan came out of retirement. Two months later, they got the bag thrown down on their uh, front step. So um, from SportsIllustrated.com, I'm reading it. WWE reached an agreement with Fox to move SmackDown Live from the USA Network to Fox. Um, That was reported by ESPN's Darren Rovell. Fox will air SmackDown on the main Fox broadcast channel and shift it from Tuesdays to Fridays. I don't know how that's all going to work with the taping schedule. You're going to see it um, 
definitely impact WrestleMania weekend. They're going to have to shift some stuff around. Um, the deal's over $1 billion. That's $205 million a year for five years. So um, one can only imagine what the deal may be next time. Not sure how that's all going to play out, though, because this whole TV rights network bubble, this feels like this thing's due to bust anytime. time. Um, my co-host of this show, James, who's been on sabbatical since WrestleMania 34, um, had been talking to me about TV rights fees years ago. And this is like when the NBA stuff was coming up and it was like, man, I don't, I don't know how they're going to keep paying all this money because eventually like it's all this shit is going to streaming. So maybe, you know, WWE was a little bit ahead of the game on it, but I still think that keeps the network in their back pocket as a valuable tool. Um, the whole thing is going to jump off in October 2019, and their current contract expires um, basically with NBC Universal on September 30th, 2019. So they'll just transition right over. Um, Fox was, you know, the longtime rumor um, reported by Meltzer, of course. And, you know, this is crazy because a billion dollars. So they got more money than the UFC, and. Apparently, cash in, you know, that clearly doesn't equal creative. I don't care how much money they're getting. I don't watch money. I watch the show. And in this year, in 2017, I haven't ever personally witnessed, like, more frustrating, problematic years of pro wrestling in ages in WWE. Nothing matters anymore. Congratulations, Vince McMahon. You are a motherfucking genius when it comes to business, when it comes to finessing, when it comes to getting a dollar out of my pocket, and apparently these motherfuckers at networks because they're so desperate for live content and they see this well-oiled machine that's been going on for, you know, in live uh, weekly, you know, television production since 1993. That alone is a valuable entity, and they've built that up to a point where... You know, they've reached a dream scenario for businesses. I'm, and I'm sure a math problem uh, explains this, like an equation or something. But they have reached a point where the critical aspect has zero effect on their business. As I mentioned last week, that is the American dream. You better come on in, as they said in Superfly. It Like, this is crazy. Nothing matters. If they knock it out of the park, it does not matter. If they stink this shit up like they've done at WrestleMania, like they've done most of the greatest Royal Rumble, like they've done at Backlash, and like they've done on weekly television uh, regularly since um, WrestleMania, it doesn't matter. Full rock status. This is crazy. Um, WWE found a way. You know, I'm not going to knock anybody for getting money because, you know, that's the objective out here in these streets is to get paid. I also won't knock when anybody gets uh, some of Vince McMahon's money uh, for this very reason. I feel like a sucker every time I I open my wallet for Vince McMahon to hand him $10 a month for this fucking archive that I love. Um, I will never get rid of WWE Network as long as it exists. And the deal with the network now, with all the money essentially for the company, the cornerstone coming from TV, that has to make you think, how much are they going to put into the network? Will the network even be around? Is it even cost effective to, to, you know do that are they gonna cut the shows back should they just put this shit back on pay-per-view we ain't got the answers yet so we're gonna have to wait for that and you know we'll see how it goes but i can't believe this this man has done it this man is brilliant but this show still ain't good i don't care what none of y'all say 
The next thing we have to talk about is trash-ass Monday Night Raw, because it was fucking terrible. Um, we opened the show with a whole hour of Roman Reigns. <laughs> and, you know, I, I dig Roman Reigns the wrestler. Can't front. You know, in most situations where they let him have matches that actually go back and forth and don't involve him laying on the ground for 10 minutes at a time with a desperate hope to get him cheered. And speaking of desperate hopes to get him cheered, this week they, they basically threw all the cards on the table. And if you didn't see it, you didn't want to see it. So we had Stephanie McMahon out there, we had Kevin Owens, we had Jinder Mahal, and they linked them up with Seth Rollins. So if the objective ain't to get Roman Reigns cheered, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, they had the, <laughs> they, they, they should tell you how bad it is when the supposed top heel on, on the brand, Kevin Owens, has to use a thank you Roman chant for heat. Um, it's amazing. So um, Stephanie was in rare form uh, because she was just refusing to sell a thing. Um, she she came out there and, you know, she was Stephanie McMahon, the non-sales lady. She cut Kevin, uh, Kevin Owens' balls off. She pretty much, you know, tried to talk to Roman Reigns any kind of way she, she wanted, but... You know, Roman got to stand up for himself a little bit, so that was nice to see. Uh, but the whole deal with it basically showed who's allowed to do what and, you know, everything like that. So basically she came out there and she talked about, you know, what was best for business. And, you know, there was no hard feelings against Kurt Angle and all this other shit. And, you know... They had, you know, her talking about a Samoan temper and all, you know, several types of other corny sounding shit. They said, you know, you know, Reigns was basically saying, hey, cut the corporate crap because, you know, you guys don't want me anywhere near the universal title. Meanwhile, they've, you know, we've seen the opportunities that this man has been given over and over again. So I don't know who he's trying to fool or who WWE is trying to fool with this because, this guy here is not fooled, and I know you guys watching this and listening to this aren't fooled. So, I don't know. So, it, it was just a whole thing to set up a tag match with uh, Kevin Owens and Jinder Mahal teaming up against Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. We are going to link the hottest guy in Seth Rollins with this dude, Roman Reigns. Why? I don't know. They you know, want him to get him cheered that badly. Seth is essentially bulletproof at this point, so it's not going to hurt him, uh, thankfully. And the deal with, with it is really weird because when Seth and Dean come around, fans are will we'll tolerate Roman Reigns. But the second these motherfuckers disappear, they're out of there for Roman Reigns. Like, they're not here for this shit, clearly. Um, I don't know where you got to go. As I mentioned on uh, previous shows, they may have to go to Wakanda to get Roman Reigns cheered because this is, you know, not happening uh, under normal circumstances in these streets. So, um, the next thing that I want to talk about from Monday Night Raw, y'all already know what it is. So, get your tape decks ready, as uh, they used to say when Lloyd Banks was about to freestyle on Funkmaster Flex back in the day. But this Lashley sister shit. So, for one, I am here for this intersectionality. So that's why I'm going to speak on this. The only folks that I'm in the business of offending are racists. You know, <laughs> so if you are racist and you're watching this, turn away or watch and be offended because I want you to. Um, you know, it, that whole thing, it wasn't funny. 
It was offensive. And, you know, the entire segment was an embarrassment. When I was watching this, um, my girlfriend Catherine looked over at me and almost yelled at me like, what the fuck are you watching? And I shook my head. And in that moment, I didn't have an answer. Because this wasn't wrestling. And this wasn't even fucking sports entertainment. Why? Because it has to be entertaining for that term to apply. This was 100% a segment that can suck my dick from the back. You understand me? That whole billion dollar story broke earlier in that day and all I kept thinking was, Vince McMahon is a fucking crook. There's, there's no doubt about it. A crook of the highest degree. Um... You know, this segment was set up to suck. It did suck. And essentially, this shit crushed Bobby Lashley. Like, he may be finished. Um, You know, I was a Laps fan uh, when Lashley was around. And, you know, I didn't get to see him in Impact where apparently he was awesome and he was a badass. And uh, I think they had MVP with him as his manager cutting his promos because it's no secret. Bobby Lashley can't talk, apparently. So... Um, they get him back in the, in the WWE and their fucking grand idea is him beating up three black dudes dressed like women in one of the most offensive tone deaf moments in WWE history to not only the trans community who deal with enough, you know, in their fight to fucking exist like also black women who get shit for you know their supposed masculinity and if you don't know what i'm talking about you know go look up anything that people have said in the past about serena and venus williams um this is unquestionably the worst segment of the year wwe should be embarrassed for clearing that bullshit building it up for a week and insulting the intelligence of everybody watching was lashley supposed to be the hero for beating up on men dressed like women I don't know. You tell me, you know, and even if we let, let's go ahead and absolve the wrestlers from this, because, you know, I'm sure someone like Sami Zayn didn't pitch this, you know, as meticulous as that guy is, as thoughtful as that guy is. This is solely on WWE as they continue this creative losing streak that began at WrestleMania 34 and is running fans off no matter how much, you know, money that companies desperate for live content get and i don't care if this goes viral i don't care if a thousand people see it i don't care if one person sees it my message to wwe is this you can't keep offending people because they're going to come for you why because you deserve it fuck that segment as a staff a record label and as a crew and if you co-signing that bullshit fuck you too Write better television. After that point um, with Monday Night Raw, I was like mentally checked out because there's only so many times you can watch stuff like that and immediately Twitter lit up with just everyone going in on it. I kind of tried to save my venom, you know, for this show with it. Um, But the other thing I want to talk about um, from Monday Night Raw was the segment between Ronda Rousey, Nia Jax, and Stephanie McMahon. Um, Basically, they were in the ring for a contract signing, and the secret was let out the bag. Neither Ronda or um, Nia Jax um, are built for this talking. And it seemed like they were 
uh, kind of hesitant and somewhat robotic, be, and neither of them really had anything interesting to say because Nia Jax, who's already the champion, is going to make a name off of Ronda Rousey's expense. I thought you were a star too. I thought you were, won the championship at WrestleMania. I thought you had defended the belt a couple times. You're already the champion. So her, them scripting her to say that kind of was a disconnect for me there. Um, with Rousey, it was like, I'm going to take your belt and I'm going to take your arm. So I don't, I don't know. It didn't really you know work for me there. But Stephanie basically stepped in to do what uh, neither of them could. So, you know, she basically uh, gave some props to Nia Jax. And, you know, she said that she is, you know, you boldly chose your next opponent. And uh, she introduced Rousey. And, you know, Rousey basically asked Stephanie how her arm was. And, you know, whatever. They had, you know, them both sitting down. And Stephanie, you know, in her six foot seven heels and all that looking super tall and all that. Um, so Stephanie basically asked Rousey, uh, how it felt to leapfrog the entire division. Um, and you know, Rousey, you know, women that Rousey has said that are more deserving to her. And then Rousey knew what Stephanie was trying to do, but you know, Nia Jax challenged her. So that's the money line for this whole thing. And Stephanie basically wondered why Nia issued the challenge and says, Nia's trying to make a name for herself at Ronda's expense. She gave Rousey props for the match at uh, WrestleMania 34, but you know, she says that she hasn't had a singles match yet and there aren't any weight divisions in uh, WWE. Um, I don't know what 205 Live is, but maybe they were just talking about with the women. Um, you know, this was the whole thing. You know, she flipped from going in on Rousey to starting to go in on Nia saying, why did it take you so long to beat Alexa Bliss? Um, a question I was wondering myself because th- that should have been a squash match both times. But, um, you know, it was a segment and it's not really hot. It's just... I think more intrigue is in with Natalia if she's going to win the money in the bank, how it may play into, uh, you know, Rousey being the champion if she cashes in on her immediately, if she's kind of lurking around as an awkward friend with a briefcase knowing you're the champion, you know, that strange energy that may exist. Or is this just a whole plot device to get Ronda and Stephanie running it again? So I think there's a, you know, a lot going on aside from the match. And. This isn't going to be, as I mentioned in my column, it's not going to be about match quality. This is none of that. This is either Ronda just winning the belt and we're going to, you know, roll one way with it. Or we're about to really get some, you know, Austin McMahon shit. I'm going to fuck you out of your opportunities at the championship, blah, blah, blah. And they may move forward with the Stephanie and Ronda singles match, which I still think they need to do. A mixed tag match was not good enough. I would, you know like to see Rousey and Stephanie go at it. I'd also be for Rousey getting the championship because let's face it, the Raw women's division has been the drizzling shits for such a long time. Um, And if they're not going to do premium wrestling with the Raw women's championship, like in 2016, I'd rather see it on like a big star that people like. So, you know, God bless Nia Jax, but I, I feel like she's kind of limited in the role as the babyface champion. Um, as far as like her experience, you know, with the wrestling and all that, I don't think it's necessarily going to go the way, you know, uh, folks want it to go. So I was really shocked when she got over the way she did in the um, feud with Alexa Bliss, but there was almost nowhere to go, essentially. And maybe this is a situation, I, I'm worried for Nia Jax coming out of this. So we'll see how it all plays out, but they, um, 
I think they've got to really be careful with her because she could end up really lost. And she can't be a bit player with the championship behind Ronda and, Ste- and Stephanie. She needs to somehow make her impact on this feud. And hopefully in the coming weeks, she will. I checked out NXT last week because, let's face it, it's one of the few things WWE has going on all cylinders right now. And I'm going to be incorporating more uh, NXT coverage going forward, but I just want to give you my thoughts on the show last week. Um, It was fire, straight up. Um, We had the opening segment with Ciampa and Candice, and immediately uh, I felt like one of two things needed to happen. I, I really feel like... They need to get this Ciampa versus Candice popped off. Either in a match or more promos against each other. And I say a match because who better to really break in the intergender wrestling in WWE than Candice, who that's kind of her thing. And, you know, if you're not here for this intergender wrestling, I can't blame you because it's not necessarily something that I would want to watch, but... When this shit sets up this perfectly, oh yeah, they got to run it. I, I'm here for it all day. But you know, if if you're gonna ask me, do I regularly want to see you know men fight women you know in matches? That's just not me personally. A lot of people like it. A lot of wrestlers defend it. Not knocking you. If that's your thing, cool. But um, if they make it an attraction to like where you want to see something there, and you know there's something there, I can roll with that. And if, you know, that's a little bit too rich for WWE's blood, which, you know, understandably it could be because they're trying to do everything to keep that money rolling in. And, you know, man-on-woman violence or woman-on-man violence, you know, they don't really have as much of a problem with that. I don't think that's the way they want to go long-term, especially with, you know, an evil motherfucker like Tommaso Ciampa. But um, if they're not going to do that, some of the things they mentioned in the promo kind of stuck out to me. She was like, or, you know, they... They mentioned that Ciampa lived with Candice and Gargano for two years. So that could mean anything. That could mean he done seen her before, if you know what I mean. That could mean she done seen him before, if you know what I mean. And he mentioned that line about, you know, when I was watching you marry Johnny, I I thought, you know, how could you marry such, you know, essentially a nerd and, and a dude with no heart and just a whatever you know that Ciampa was saying and I think they need to explore either some type of turn and I know yes it's wrestling like like how are you gonna turn Candice LeRae on Johnny Gargano and they're married in real life it's wrestling they can fucking figure it out they can make this shit like Dusty Rhodes and Baby Doll in the 80s they can have Candice align with Ciampa at some point and really you know get this shit popping but I don't think they're gonna do that so I think the better option is Ciampa versus Candice. So um, another thing that I really liked in NXT this week was the, as Vinny from um, the Brian and Vinny show uh, for Wrestling Observer, shouts out to those guys, um, he had mentioned this was a five-star, two-star match. And I couldn't agree more because for those couple minutes, it was absolutely electric. It was incredible. It was like seeing a glimpse of WWE's future, which I hope they commit to. Uh, two brothers in there, and, you know, I'm here for, uh, you know, the black wrestlers all day. And they, these guys, 
just fucking stole the show, essentially. And I saw these guys wrestle on a house show, uh, I want to say probably about two months ago, maybe. Uh, one of the NXT local house shows, I, you know, I'm located in Florida, so I can, I'm can i privy to, you know, those shows. I think there's one tomorrow night in Largo I may make an appearance at. Um, but they came out here and took everything they did from those house shows, condensed it, and, like, sped it up. So it was crazy. So these guys are experienced working against each other for, you know, this takeover match that I assume is on the horizon with them. Uh, I've stayed, like, relatively free of spoilers. I don't know the matches that were officially, like, created or anything. Uh, But Lars Sullivan brought his big husky ass out there and interrupted it. And you could hear the fans go no because you know they were showing ricochet and dream in the in the uh, corner on the far left so what happened was you saw everyone in the crowd looking the other way and, and going no as they knew Lars sullivan was coming in here to fuck up this great match they were seeing and it was like a kick in the dick, but the thing was, you know something is there with those guys, and it's going somewhere, and NXT has built enough trust with the audience to make it uh, you know, okay for this to happen. So they said that they wanted him next week, and I need to check that show out and all that. I'll probably watch it sometime this weekend, keep it like a week behind with the NXT coverage because it's taped. No reason for me to really, you know, uh, go into it super crazy. Um... And also the uh, what's her name? Lacey Evans looked good uh, in a win over Brandy Lauren, who wrestles as uh, Ava Story, I believe, on the Indies, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she was looking super athletic. Her moonsault looked as good or better than Charlotte's. Uh, Lacey Evans could be someone to watch. I, I think she's uh, you know she's blonde, so WWE always likes the blondes and. Uh, her her mer- her gimmick and all that is made for Ford F one fifty Twitter. It is made for I'm calling the the cops uh, Twitter. It's it's made for stand for the anthem Twitter uh, and, and everything else that goes along with that. So she could go a long way in this climate that we're in. So uh, I'm looking forward to see where she goes from there. And of course we had the main event with the undisputed era taking on Pete Dunne and our guys Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch. Um, Shouts out to Danny Birch uh, from the uh, Florida independent scene who has done his thing and really gotten to WWE big time now. So um, I love Pete Dunne and how this dude is just the most not give a fuck motherfucker that I've ever seen in my life. And putting him with those guys, I, I really enjoyed the match. And I think that was about as good of an hour of television that you could have really like asked for. So if you didn't see that NXT show, I implore you, please check it out. Give it a look. If WWE has you disenchanted right now, I'm sure NXT won't. So start giving NXT your your time. If Raw is really pissing you off, if SmackDown has you kind of feeling like, all right, y'all got all the stars in place and which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but what you really doing with them? Um, So, you know, check out NXT, check out 205 Live. The next thing that we had to talk about was SmackDown. And, you know, SmackDown is the much easier show to watch on a week-to-week basis, obviously because it's two hours long. Hopefully it stays that way and they don't get any brilliant ideas uh, on making it a three-hour show or else I may uh, lift the background up behind me and kick my television in barefoot karate style like Bruce Lee and basically, you know, ruin my feet and my TV. 
So, you know, like, you remember when Bill Goldberg put his elbow through that limo? That's essentially what would happen to me. And I would be laid up in the hospital, not able to give you guys these shows, this entertainment, these laughs, and do my thing and contribute to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. So, I don't want to do that. So, hopefully, I'll stay at two hours. So, I don't have to do such a thing. But, um... Daniel Bryan, he continues to wrestle awesome TV matches in the SmackDown main event. Um, you know, if we, we take it back to his first SmackDown back, uh, him and AJ Styles went out there, did some good work, him and Rusev, and then him and Jeff Hardy, and he's coming out here and changing things up. He's looking like kind of jacked for, you know, a dude his size, and obviously we got Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe next week, which is sure to be awesome unless they have big cast roll his ass out there which i don't really believe he's hurt um i think that that's a that's a whole work and we'll see you know hopefully they give us that that brian and joe the way we want it uh of course i prefer it for it to be on pay-per-view but you know with how they're doing their pay-per-views now maybe it's the best thing for him to just leave it on uh, free tv but this guy Daniel brian is like slowly weaving in new things that he does like that heel hook put Cass like in the you know the the state that he was in with his knee he cut a promo that was on WWE or on WWE's YouTube channel uh basically saying he's he's gonna heel hook Samoa Joe and tear his ACL so he's really aggressive right now Daniel Bryan has been holding back obviously and he's kind of tweaking his persona a little bit and his move set to match so I'm looking forward to see where that leads we saw Andrade Cien almost again against another jobber y'all know how i felt about this last week i don't want to see him wrestling jobbers why because all it tells me is you have no idea what to do with him for now uh money in the bank is coming i'm terrified he's not going to be on the card we haven't seen sanity show up they have no idea what they're doing for them aop wrestled a couple times and disappeared they clearly have no idea what they're doing with them you're seeing all these nxc dudes show up at these house shows which i think is a cool thing but it is kind of troubling because it's like hold on these guys that are showing up, you ain't doing shit with them. You ain't doing shit with Tyler Breeze. You ain't doing shit with the Revival. And these dudes just showing up here and there. So, I, I mean, that's cool for the fans. Don't get it twisted. But it's kind of concerning, especially when it seems like they're trying to play collector wrestler to make sure they don't go anywhere else. So, um, disappointed on um, what, they, what they did with Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, Sonya Deville versus Naomi was shockingly, like, good. And I say shockingly because, like, I saw that match. I, I had no expectations for it. Uh, I think Naomi's super athletic. Always enjoyed her as a wrestler. Sonya Deville, I think she's coming along a lot faster than, you know, people may have initially given her credit for. All we got to do is stop making her stand in that silhouette and throw those punches. Everything else I'm cool with. I like the way she glides around the ring, like, with her knees hitting the mat like she's a shooter. Even though they've kind of dolled her up a little bit more and got away from the... Uh, MMA fighter gimmick, you know, in that sense, throwing all those punches and all that, it just makes it kind of look low rent, especially with Rousey hanging out. So I don't know, maybe that's something they want to look at, but they had a lot of interesting sequences that they seem like they either like committed to memory or they had it worked out like perfectly. And I thought they did a really good job. Um, Nakamura versus Styles, the entire thing has been a disaster. Uh, obviously, we got the lackluster WrestleMania match. We had the Greatest Royal Rumble with a countout that built to a pay-per-view match that had no disqualifications, if I'm not mistaken. And they end that with a double dick kick to do a clean finish on TV, which they select a stipulation that is a last man standing match. Last man standing matches, I'm going to say this. In WWE... 
Last man standing matches are not for great wrestlers. They are for limited ones. They are for dudes that you aren't sure can have a great match. And maybe Nakamura and Styles have kind of earned this. Like, hey, if y'all can't, like, come out here and have this classic with this, I don't know. But... When I heard about this, you know, whole feud, a last man standing match is not what I wanted to see. I didn't want to see these guys club each other with weapons. These guys are technically proficient. They're athletically thrilling. And all they've been is fucked in their, all their finishes. They've booked awful matches on purpose to lead to this. Why are they trying to be this cute with it? I don't understand. I don't, you know, realize... Like, I don't understand why they can't just get out the way and let these dudes blow the roof off the building in addition to you know they healed them and all that because Nakamura I don't know if y'all saw this promo this week but this dude can clearly speak English he can emote he can make his actions match his words match his body he can do everything this dude is special and he I'm terrified because <laughs> the way this is set up, you would think AJ Styles is about to beat this man and get him the fuck out of here. And we're about to see Nakamura putting over every motherfucker under the sun. And then Nakamura is going to be like, holla. And then he'll be showing up at like Invasion Attack 2019 or something like that uh, after the three months is up. So I don't know what, what, what they're going to do with this whole finish and all that. I'm... <sighs> Of course, I'm looking forward to the match because I'll watch these dudes wrestle as many times as, you know, needed. But you can't get away from the fact that I feel like they diminish the attraction by making this the fifth match to happen in under two months. Like, Okada and Omega, this whole, for just for comparison's sake, the first one was January 2017. They're about to do the fourth one now. And they found a way to, like, keep these dudes away from each other and have them do other shit. Like, I don't know, man. It's just a whole thing where they want to book show to show. But, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter. They've got the money. People, you know, are going to come out here and stand for it all they want. But it's a whole situation where... It's just sad because we know these guys had so much more. They're capable of so much more. And I don't understand why WWE essentially got in the way of the brilliance. And it's kind of making me look at AJ Styles' title reign like, hey, man, should we get the belt on somebody else? Because I feel like Daniel Bryan's going to eventually get that momentum. Um, the Money in the Bank briefcase, maybe a SmackDown guy needs to win it. Maybe we got to send Styles off to, like, piss him off again. I don't know if he's complacent. I don't know if it's, like, him just, you know, deciding, like, I am the leader of this show, so I'm going to wrestle in a way where I'm not taking as many risks. I'm not, you know, putting my body through hell so I can, A, keep making this money, A, B, keep stay on the road on top, you know, because they say there is a theory that, you know, you work your way to get to the top and then when you get to the top you change your style to stay there so maybe that's you know a little bit what's going on with styles and it's not like styles is falling off or becoming a bum or anything like that it's like a little bit of that rollins thing that i always mentioned maybe he's not throwing 100 anymore maybe styles is like throwing 94 right now so it'll be interesting um i hope that they can they can figure out something because 
this feud is on borrowed time. And I feel like a title change needs to happen and something need, like I feel like these guys are ripe for money in the bank cashing in this match. Double last man standing. I don't know, man. Too many sirens are going off. And it would be so easy to for someone to cash in to make this a three-way to continue it. But they could just as easily get rid of Nakamura, count 10 on him, uh, not pin him and quote-unquote protect him. But that would drop him to 0-6 in his WWE title matches, which is shameful seeing as how they let him lose to gender fucking Mahal. The last segment of the show today, I wanted to pay tribute to the late, great Owen Hart. Um, I wrote down in my show format today, and some of you are seeing me on video. You might see me glance down or something like that. Um, all I have written for this is, let's see, pay tribute to Owen Hart. And for a man named Owen Hart, I figured the best way I could pay tribute to him was to speak from mine. And Owen Hart was, from all accounts that you know I've seen in DVDs and stories and books, an excellent individual who loved his fellow wrestlers, loved his family, and wanted nothing more than to have great matches and have fun and make people laugh. And I've been fortunate in my life not to lose someone like an Owen Hart, uh, someone that touch people that deeply on that many levels like in a long time uh i lost my grandfather when i was younger um and i was about 14 years old and, and i think that's been um the biggest like kind of death uh that's happened to me personally unless i'm like forgetting somebody or something but um with owen hart you know it, it goes without saying he was a phenomenal wrestler years ahead of his time uh if i had to uh you know compare Owen Hart to anybody uh, right now it's freaking hard it's like (laughs) um, I think he you know I don't think he was the world champion or anything in WWE he got a chance to wrestle for it he got a chance to make a rivalry you know with his brother that made you feel something you got a chance with Owen Hart to really come in uh with him as a performer whether it was as a slimy heel that had just the wittiest funniest things like you couldn't even hate the guy uh i was a huge Shawn michaels fan and when i would see owen hart and i would be like and there was something weird with it owen hart would hit him with the insiguri and it felt like my soul would just fall out of my body because i saw his boots right his shiny black boots and i used to think man those boots that he that he he's wearing those things make a loud ass noise and this is me as a six or seven year old so i don't know they're slapping their thighs or anything to make that shit sound off like it does but the first match that i watched um when i was a kid that i found myself watching over and over and over again really learning to understand wrestling was Shawn michaels versus owen hart at In Your House, February 96. And that will be my match recommendation of the week. I'm going to watch this that match after I'm done tonight. Um, and just think about, you know, how the role Owen Hart had in pulling me into wrestling the way um, that he did. So back in 96, um, I had the hot 
the hot box, as they say. So, I, I, you know, we're past the statute of limitations and all that. So I, I can talk about illegal stuff we had hooked up. So it was in your house, 96. They used to play this shit on the pay-per-view channel on loop. So I would see Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart all the time. And it was for, um, you know, it was, Shawn Michaels had won the Royal Rumble. And he had to put his title shot on the line against Owen Hart. The winner would face the winner of Bret Hart and Diesel, which was the main event in the cage. So I was like, man... If Owen Hart wins and if Diesel wins, it's Diesel and Owen Hart. Ugh, I don't know if I want to see that. But maybe they can do Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Or maybe they do Shawn Michaels and Diesel, you know, something like that. So this was a time where I didn't know, you know, all that stuff. Like, obviously, this was planned out way in advance. And things worked out the way they should have worked out with the Iron Man match happening. But you couldn't tell me that Shawn Michaels wasn't in real danger that night. Because Owen Hart came to fucking ball. He whooped Shawn Michaels' ass the whole match. And put together, like, I want to say is if I had to put a rating on it right now, I'd probably say about a four, four and a quarter match. I would say about four and a quarter. I'll go that. And it was always interesting to me with that match because Owen was just as good as Shawn. And that's not taking anything away from Shawn Michaels. That's just saying, hey, these dudes are both on the level. Owen Hart, obviously, you know, Never was champion, as I mentioned before, but he, he won his fair share of championships. He uh, was a revolutionary junior heavyweight in Japan. He was a guy that um, was all over the mid-card in WWE. He obviously had a classic feud with his brother. Um, and fortunately, I was never in a situation where I had a rivalry with my brother or anything like that. But I could imagine that that storyline really touched people in, in a certain way, especially back then because of how quote-unquote real you know things felt back then and these guys took that shit dead ass serious they didn't ride together they didn't do anything um but for everything owen did to make us happy on screen whether it was tagging with the british bulldog raising his slammies being with jim Cornette, being with yokozuna um it's like it's so unfortunate we we lost him the way uh we did and he literally gave his life for the wrestling business. I know he didn't die for wrestling, but he died in wrestling. And I don't think that's necessarily like commendable or anything like that. And I, obviously that's not, you know, what I mean by that, but that's not like, Hey, you know, he did this for the business. Like, that's not what I'm saying. He did. He died doing something that he loved, but the Owen heart that I've heard about, loved his family more than anything else so hearing you know and seeing you know Owen Hart lose his life like that over a stupid stunt it was like how did we get that far in wrestling I'm so glad we've never really had to go that far to those places to do these absurd stunts again um you know when Shane McMahon jumps off the hell in a cell and all that it's not the same as jumping from the real rafters that are way the fuck up there that are 90 feet in the air, not 30 feet in the air, even though that's got its own set of problems. Um, I met Bret Hart a couple months ago, and he talked about some of the ways Owen would prank people. And, of course, uh, he talked about the way, you know, him and Stu, he would do Stu's voice. And it was crazy talking to Bret Hart about it. Like, man... I don't know what what else to say except you know I'm I 
I thank Owen Hart for everything he gave to wrestling, and I hope fans never forget him. No matter you know that uh, how many times they pass on him for the Hall of Fame, or how many times his wife doesn't clear uh, him for the Hall of Fame. Mark Henry uh, gave a wonderful like you know essentially plea to Martha to let Owen Hart uh, and his son like come around the business and, and put Ho- Owen and honor him the way that he should be honored. You know, he wasn't a world champion. He wasn't, um, you know, a main, a super main event talent time draw, like big time draw. So like younger generations, they have no idea. So, like, Oh, it was Bret Hart's brother and all this other stuff. But if you watch Owen Hart back then, you knew how talented that dude was. And, I'll never forget. I was in fourth grade when he died. And it was like, I think it was a pay-per-view that I didn't see at the time. And there were, someone was like, Owen Hart died. I was like, you're lying. No fucking way. And then I get home and then they're watching, you know, the Owen Hart tribute episode and seeing Edge crying, Jeff Jarrett crying, who he was like kind of in a tag team with at the time. Uh, And just the sadness and the love that everyone had for Owen that always stuck with me i haven't ever watched a show since maybe i'll check it out hopefully i'll try not to um i was watching the owen hart dvd last night watching all the ribs that he played on people and hearing the stories told it's such a loss so the best thing i I feel like we can do is uh podcasters content creators columnists is to let people know how great owen hart was wwe slowly trying to uh, unfortunately, you know, there's a situation with the family and, you know, his wife that we just haven't got past yet, but I hope they don't get past, past it before it's too late, before people don't care, before, you know, the generations go by and it's just like, he's, he doesn't mean as much as he should because Owen Hart was better than that. And Owen Hart, he... He didn't deserve to die like that. No one does. Especially for this fake-ass business. That's going to wrap up the show, man. Um, thank you guys for listening to uh, One Nation Radio this week. Um, if you checked me out on the video, um, you know, I appreciate you guys uh, rocking with me here. I'm still testing a couple things out with the lights and the setup and everything. So um, going to try to, you know do uh, a couple things here for you guys with that uh, make sure you guys check out the rest of the shows on the social suplex podcast network uh the impact report with caleb baldwin the outsider's edge with uh Ransom carl what up uh ricky and clive wrestling podcast I believe they dropped a special this week on the uk tournament and rance was on that show make sure you guys check that out and yes rance after 2000 years we are now on the list so, um, also keeping a strong style with Jeremy and Joss, the premier New Japan podcast, the ace of podcasts uh, on the internet. And also, Grown Men Watch This Shit, which is hosted by Chris and Jeremy. So, um, different Jeremy from Jeremy Donovan. Um, thank you guys for listening to One Nation Radio, and I will see y'all next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread. 
with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.